I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die Alright, welcome back to The Left is Dead. I am your host, uh, Jim Carrey. I am solo tonight for a quick interview with a young man who I started talking to, um, half my age, dude, conservative. He became conservative over the last year. Tyler Higson, who runs his own podcast. He's looking to start a TPUSA chapter. So, uh, I don't know. Charlie Kirk might be fleecing this man in a few years. Um, I don't know. Fucking check it out. He probably won't be a conservative forever, but it's worth hearing because I don't know why fucking Zoomers become, like, conservatives, bro. So, it's at least an interesting case study for me. If you don't like it, I don't give a shit. Well, I'm looking at the world now, and it's going insane. Thinking about checking out, can't do it again. But I know just who I am, how strong I can be. And I know I'm the only one who can help us be free, yeah. Na, 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 na. This country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's the place for you and me. Oh, na, 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 na. It's only a matter of time till we get things back on track. Our values are under. All right, welcome back to The Left is Dead. It is a solo interview tonight uh, with me, your host, Jim, and I am here with Tyler Higson, who is a young conservative about half my age, and I am interested in learning how people half my age become conservatives, actually. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? What's um, You have your own show in the site. You want to tell us anything about that? and? How'd you end up involved in conservative politics? Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, Really glad to see more uh, left-leaning shows inviting people on the right. I think that's such an important thing. We try to do that with our show. So I host uh, the Youth of the Nation podcast, um, and that is a daily show. I do it Monday through Thursday. We go live at thepatrioticyouth.com every... uh, Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then we also um, do interviews that we release on Sundays. And those, you know, range from we've had socialists on to uh, whether we we have pastors on, uh, as well as we have a few uh, people running for Congress coming on the show soon. Um, And so you can uh, find all of that at thepatrioticyouth.com. Uh, you can also find that anywhere you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Um, I am also the founder of The Patriotic Youth, which is a conservative media company. Um, we are releasing a new podcast soon, uh, The Jackson Danforth Show. Uh, that will be airing uh, September 4th. Um, but as uh, Jim said, I am a uh, 14-year-old conservative mm-hmm. And um, I am currently, I just started with TPUSA and I'm trying to start uh, the first chapter in Boise uh, at my school. 
And uh, yeah, that's basically about me. The way I got into conservative politics is really, it was just over the pandemic. And one, I was bored at home because school had been over. Um, It was kind of during the summer. And I was just watching like the complete uh, dismissal of all our rights. We just, we had all these rights in America, the greatest country in the world. And all of a sudden, uh, because of this virus, they just started being stripped away. And that kind of disgusted me because um, I have, I've, I've learned about totalitarian regimes. I have seen what's going on in Canada. That is where my, uh, my father originated. Canada is not going down a good path. And it was just sad to see America, something that I, I, I love America um, and the freedom that it, it has. Um, and it was very sad to see this. So that's when I got involved. I was listening to, uh, political commentators like Dennis Prager, Candace Owens, uh, a little bit of Matt Walsh. And then, uh, I finally listened to Michael Knowles and, uh, I decided if Michael Knowles can do a podcast, I can. So I started my podcast and, uh, the first little bit did not go well at all. I hadn't really, I didn't really know anything about politics, but, um, I've been, you know, learning some more and uh, you can join us every, like I said, Monday through Thursday, we talk about all the uh, hot political topics. Um, Also, we like to have some comedy, have some fun. And so, yeah, that's how I got involved in politics. Oh, that's interesting. I'm I'm surprised that anyone still listens to uh, Dennis Prager. Um, I'm very shocked. Slow for me. Yeah, I I was, that's what I was going to say. I'm shocked. He's, he's not... He's a very older generation of conservative. I remember him from, you know, when I was first getting politically involved in like the rise of the neocon era or like the Bush cheerleaders and stuff. And Prager was a big, um, mostly like religious conservatism was his focus. And I mean, you're Christian too, right? I, I'm assuming that. Yeah. Okay. So what, uh, what de- denomination are you? Um, so... I go to a Protestant church. I believe in a lot of the Catholic values. I just can't get behind the Pope and all that. I can't get behind uh, this Pope or Pope thing. in general. The Pope in general just feels okay. like another idol. I, I can't stand the Pope now, but in general, I just don't agree with that. So I go to a Protestant church um, currently. I yeah, uh, as a Catholic, there's a lot of people who can't stand our current Pope. So. Um, I'm used to that one. Actually, uh, a lot of people seem to hate him, but um, I get it. I mean, I, I, I get the ideas of Protestantism. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on the Reformation, which I don't know if you put a lot of thought into. You probably have not. But No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, either way. Um, so you uh, got into it because, well, we'll go into COVID first, I suppose. You got into politics basically because of the COVID response by the United States. What uh, you said, liberties being taken or rights or whatever. What rights would you say were taken? I mean, uh, first of all, our First Amendment right to assemble that was completely stripped away. Now, I lived in a, I, I live currently in Idaho, which is a very red state. Right. Uh, but I live in the bluest place of Idaho. Uh, I think the only blue place in Idaho, if I'm correct. But it is it is very blue. I also come from California. So California um, is, is very blue. 
And my dad owns, uh, owns businesses in California or owned um, due to COVID-19, well, actually not COVID-19, the lockdowns, uh, those are no longer in uh, business, which is a very sad thing. So my, my thing uh, with the attack on liberties has been, I believe the American, okay, most of the American people are smart. Uh, my, if, if I were, yeah, there's, there's some dummies out there. We were talking about QAnon before the show. I mean, right. there's that. And then, uh, you know, there's just dumb people in general. I mean, I, I, I hang around teenage boys, so I, I see dumb people. Um, so with my, my lockdown, uh, experience wasn't terrible. I was very lucky. Uh, my mother worked from home. Uh, my dad still was able to stay employed. But I saw, I had so many friends who their parents came out of a job. Uh, they lost their, their homes. Uh, there was, uh, she's not really my friend, but there was a girl at her, my school who attempted to take her own life. And that was one of the things that I saw. Another thing was the businesses going out of business. Uh, like I, I mentioned my father's, but as well as you go down our, uh, there's, a, there's a street called State Street and it used to be full of businesses and now every other one has a uh, out of business or um, a sign similar to that. And it's a very sad thing. My dream COVID response would have been shelter the elderly. The elderly needed to be protected uh, for sure. The people who were vulnerable, right? I can never say that word. Um, mm -hmm. They needed to be shielded from this virus. The virus, I'm not one of those people who says it does not exist. It definitely exists. And for people who are older, uh, it, they are at risk for, uh, I did not go and see my grandma for a while. Um, I made sure that if we ever felt sick, we would not go near her. I haven't seen my great grandma in a while. The only other time we saw her probably six months ago and we wore masks and everything, right? We wanted to keep our, the older population safe as for kids, which they are shutting down the schools for, um, there is no basis for that. And that is another thing is I believe that the kids should still be in school. Young adults should be able to live their lives. Um, if you get uh, sick and you didn't take any safety precautions, that's kind of on you. That's the same thing with the vaccine. I have not taken the vaccine yet. Um, I'm not anti-vax or anything. Uh, neither is my, my studio. My producer is vaccinated. I just don't have any – I'm a healthy – a uh, young uh, kid who is not at risk for this thing. Now, if it starts killing kids, I will probably go and get the vaccine. Um, currently, it does not, and the statistics do not support that. So kids do not need to be in lockdown, uh, and I don't think the vaccinated need to wear a mask. I don't know, Jim, are you vaccinated? Um, I Okay, let me give you a little background on me since I'm, gonna, I'm the Marxist here, and I'm assuming you'll be sharing this. I... One, I am vaccinated. I took the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, I am still somebody who is, and I don't even know if this is rightfully so. I'm too lazy to like learn the science, but I'm, I, I just skipped out on the mRNA vaccines. Um, but at the same time, let me explain to, for your audience uh, that'll hear this. I am 31. I am a homeowner. I have a son who will be 10 in September. Uh, I have a mortgage. I have a full-time job. So I am not a, you know, uh, dormitory leftist. I don't have a college education. Um, so I'm still like this at 30, you know, despite what people will tell you. Um, 
but I am vaccinated at, at the same time. Like I said, I went for the, you know, one I understood basically. Um, but going into your, uh, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. You know, um, obviously my son isn't old enough to be vaccinated. I would prefer it if like the teachers were required to be vaccinated, which I'm in Michigan. That may happen here. I'm sure you have opinions on our governor. I do too. Uh, oh yeah. You've got a uh, Whitmer, right? Yeah, there was definitely no plot to kidnap her. That was all the FBI. I'll say that. Yeah, I I don't I actually didn't we didn't talk about that story on my show. I don't know exactly what happened uh with that story. Wasn't an actual plot or I mean, the plot as far as it like was was like kidnap her and take her out on a boat, I guess. That's so, but anytime, anytime a, a federal agent's involved and there's a plot, I don't care if it's an anarchist or a militia or anything like that. Uh, anytime, like, there's an FBI agent involved really close to the central organizers, that's chances are it's completely fake and it's a, it's a domestic terror show. Uh, just like, um, you know, it, it, this was very prominent in the 2000s where you would find basically a mentally ill Muslim at the local mosque and you would try and get them to post that they wanted to make bombs and you would sell them a fake bomb if you were a fed, you know, I don't trust any, anytime the federal government's very closely involved uh, like that. I don't trust that the plot was actually cooked up by the people who they say it was. Um, But so, yeah, I'm not anti-vax. My idea for COVID would have been, you know, a, sh- a short lockdown like China, basically, which I know you won't be a fan of, um, like Wuhan, where they are reopen, uh, vaccine rates are lower in China because they're not as necessary. Um, I agree that uh, I think a short lockdown with massive state spending should have taken place. Uh, and then reopening, and like you said, vulnerable populations kept home, right? The elderly, uh, people with pre-existing conditions that would make them more susceptible to hospitalization from COVID should have either been given unemployment, been sheltered in place, or been given the opportunity to work remotely until, you know, whatever, until they could get vaccinated or whatever. Um, schools, I don't know. When it first closed down, again, nobody really knew anything when they first closed schools here. It came on so fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the same time, um, I, I agreed with the remote learning. I'll say that I, for a while there. Would I do it in another year? No. Um, but that said, now it's like, um, again, I, my main thing is I wish teachers would get the vaccine because, again, if you want to be anti-vax, much like you, I am like um, a sort of personal libertarian where it's like if you don't want to get vaccinated and you want to end up on a ventilator fine i don't give a shit you know i I, go ahead but like someone like a teacher or like a healthcare worker or something should be vaccinated and again that's your employer telling you to do it it's not the state i don't think um i don't necessarily care but i don't think the state will or has the will to mandate uh vaccines um now you talked about your your dad owning some businesses in California and yeah you live in a blue area so what you probably understand to some extent is when you live in a blue area uh like say Detroit or something like that you have a democratic party that just has 
one party control basically um mm-hmm. within that party there's liberals you know uh i would say some of like the black mayoral candidates in detroit were liberals but there's also conservatives people who basically run as conservatives like the current mayor of detroit who is willing to give out you know billions of dollars in tax breaks to get the amazon headquarters right after the city filed for bankruptcy like that's just a republican who knows they have to run as but and the democrats are kind of republicans too at this point but either way in a city like detroit or in a blue area you have to run as one thing in california specifically though is you know what type of businesses did your dad own uh, my dad was in the restaurant business, which is not yeah, a good business okay. for a pandemic. No, no, it's already low margins enough. But in California, what you see is, and I think it's this very, in my opinion, you know, uh, people call it California or whatever, but this is a very libertarian type of take in California where a small business like your dad's can suffer. But say, you know, there's things like California specifically, like here, here's an example of the water shortages, right? If you were a residential you know, client of for California water, you were limited to days you could use water, you were limited to how much you could use. Now at the country clubs where, you know, the Silicon Valley elites hang out or just the Hollywood, you know, big Hollywood capital or whatever, where these people hang out, they were power washing the sidewalks and keeping the courses green and cut, you know. Um, I think that it's very much more of a libertarian type issue where, uh, money buys you access money buys you access to resources that's what it is that's what my opinion is of why uh small businesses were not protected the way large businesses were um i mean obviously you probably have you know i'm assuming you have grievances about the people who were bailed out during the pandemic and how uh you know people like jeff bezos increased their wealth Oh, yeah, that's it's one of the most disgusting things. I had an interview today, and that's one of the things that I said is the most disgusting things that happened over the pandemic is there was no there's no science behind. You had to lock down the local uh, store, uh, but Walmart could stay open like there was no right. science that COVID didn't spread in a Walmart. Um, and that was my problem is I don't I'm I'm very pro capitalist. Amazon, if Amazon gets rich when everyone has the same uh, opportunity, I believe in equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Amazon, if Amazon has a better product than the mom and pop store, Amazon's going to win, right? Now, I like to support the mom and pop store more than than Amazon, Um, but that's, that's what happens in capitalism. The problem was is the government said, no, you're a small business. You guys cannot open up. And then they said, well, Walmart can open up, Target can open up, uh, when there was no science to back that. Okay. So you see, my argument there is, um, again, it's, it's not necessarily like biological science that kept these places open and these other ones closed. It's the science of Marxism, dude. Look, um, you know, I, I'd imagine, you know, and I understand the PPUSA argument and the libertarian argument of, well, this is crony capitalism and whatnot, right? But at the same time, I see this as the natural outgrowth of capitalism. Whoever has the ability to undercut their competition or swallow them up in the way that Amazon does with online retailers, literally just start reselling their products through the help of an algorithm. So, when you have a company that does that and can afford to undercut their competition, 
they'll either close them slowly, you know, as Walmart has done to main streets across the United States, basically, or they'll find a crisis, which capital always uses, whether, you know, um, 2008, the housing crisis, the only people who really lost out during that were homeowners uh, and people who ended up holding the debt. The banks left the American taxpayer with the debt. Uh, oil spills are left for us to clean up and the cost of COVID will be left for you know private citizens to clean up. But these companies that got bailed out and got massive you know funding from the federal government, they managed to accrue enough resources that they can one, buy access and buy privilege, like I said, in California, the way the rich live different than like a small business owner. Um, and two, they have, uh, again, I go back to this idea of the Reagan revolution being a very kind of libertarian thing. What Amazon is at this point um, is a government contractor. You know, uh, Amazon Web Services is a huge government contractor. Uh, Google started out as a government contractor and a return to being one of the giant government contractors. Uh, you know, uh, what I see is the state privatizing what should be their responsibility with Google. It was something as simple as, um, you know, Homeland security wanted an algorithm to search all their internal records, right? This is something the state, a project, a state like China could, would undertake at a state level. Whereas in the United States, this was uh, basically shopped out to a private company. And now you see that too. Uh, space flight, you know, is being basically deemed, you know, which space flight is going to happen is dictated by about three people on the planet right now. Um, global health, you know, the Gates Foundation in Africa, like the fact that Bill Gates has, thinks that, his wealth somehow makes him the arbiter of trying to get Africans to have less children. Just wait. So you're not a fan of Bill Gates either. Oh right? no, 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 no. Okay. That's something we can agree on for sure. The idea that again, and this is to me, it's a libertarian idea. The idea that having this wealth suddenly allows you to dictate large portions of society is absurd, but it, it seems libertarian. Look at social media, right? These are private companies who are accountable to nobody because they're so large. And even though they are basically the public square, the internet is corralled in all these like, you know, four or five sites. Um, these are people with the ability, you know, as one, they're again, a government contractor, the government uses them to search for extremists. Obviously Facebook loves it, but two, they get to dictate, you know, Zuckerberg or, um, Dorsey or whoever gets to dictate what constitutes okay speech. And these are, again, like five billionaires deciding what constitutes free speech. Uh, I see that as an abuse of capital rather than some type of failing of the state. So where I would agree with you is I think what big tech, like these oligarchs, big tech oligarchs, uh, Jeff Bezos, they have too much power. And that's why I am more of a a, I am a laissez-faire uh, capitalist, but not completely. Um, I agree with a lot of what Adam Smith wrote, um, and I especially agree with the government should be involved to minimize monopoly. And right now, that is an issue. You have uh, companies like Disney. Disney owns basically every TV company. I mean, right, right. There's yeah. a ton, but like 
still they own I, what is it now? They own Hulu, they own ESPN, they own uh, of course Disney, Marvel. The, yeah, they were the first to perfect the model in uh, the 1990s when they bought ABC. The decision was made that um, large studios will no longer produce content. It'll be about like which intellectual property you own. And that's why you see 30-year-old intellectual property being made movies because they're just buying up everything. But go on. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I believe the government needs to break up these monopolies because I believe that we, we are the ones who made uh, Amazon Jeff Bezos rich, right? And I believe Amazon was a great thing. The problem is, is it eventually gets corrupt. So you give someone so much power, and I believe the same thing with the government. I am... I'm probably more like, according to the political compass test, I'm more of a libertarian than a conservative. Um, but I, I would say I'm, I, I say I'm a conservative just because it's more, uh, I'm more socially conservative, but like on a government policy, I believe that uh, I, I'm more of a libertarian. Government needs to get out of things. Except for, the, I, I believe government's job is to protect our freedoms, right? And one of the ways they need to do that is by, dismantling these monopolies. And I think that's hopefully something the right and the left can both agree on because yeah, I do believe that the, these, these big uh, corporations are a good thing and a bad thing, right? So there is a good thing. They are opening up jobs, uh, stuff like that. But then right. they, are, they are also, they, they get too much power. And when they have that power, they, they don't, most of the time they don't use it for good. And that's my problem with it is, uh, they start uh, getting all these monopolies. And then the biggest thing that I see, especially with the big tech companies, is there's the I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine with the politicians. So it's, all right, we'll censor the people you don't like as long as you give us some, uh, you know, exemptions from certain things. And that's, that's my problem with anything. Yeah. Um, social media is like it lives in a uh... – it lives in the perfect libertarian utopia because they are not regulated at all. Um, my opinion is they should be a public utility, like Facebook should be a public utility, like a phone line. You cannot be denied access to a phone line, you know, um, especially if the Internet's, like I said earlier, going to be corralled into all these sites, sort of like the new Internet as it is. Um, now, as far as like Amazon, say, starting with good intentions or whatever, you, you think they became corrupt. Again, I point to this as like an outgrowth of capitalism. It's uh, is Walmart corrupt? Like, yes, but is that corruption what makes Walmart or Amazon competitive? Yes. What puts Bezos's rockets into space? It's the people pissing in bottles in the delivery vans, right? Uh, the corruption is just a result of capital seeking to increase profit, and that's this idea of you know permanent growth, which I don't know if you'd agree, but in my opinion, is something that's completely, you know, it's an oxymoron. You can't have permanent growth in a world of finite resources. Um, but the idea is that, you know, much like COVID was a boon for a lot of these companies, these companies look for loopholes or a crisis or a weakness in their competitor, and they intentionally extort it. Uh, the algorithm on Amazon to you know, copy every e-commerce site it can find on there was done intentionally to seek more profit. So uh, the way that Amazon became corrupt is just the natural growth of a company. And yeah, I agree that 
you know, they should be regulated or broken up. Amazon, uh, I also think, should become basically a public company. Uh, we should just steal their distribution chain because clearly it's efficient. And all Jeff Bezos is using it for is, I don't know, uh, injecting himself with teenage blood and going to space, you know? So I don't think, I, I do agree with you that they should be broken up. We probably disagree on how exactly, but yeah. I would say that the, the corruption is, um, you know, it's, it's not corruption. It's just them competing in a capitalist system. This is capitalism. And you, like you said, you, you're for some regulations. Um, I would say that, you know, I went through like a classical liberal phase where I thought, and I still do agree with this to some extent, uh, as far as the individual goes, like the citizen, the state should be responsible for making sure that uh, no harm comes to your person, right? Your safety should be guaranteed by the state, basically, your welfare. So to me, that also means, you know, whether that's okay, you have the right to free speech, but it's also like you should not die from lack of health care. And you should not have to work for somewhere like Amazon, who's making billions off of government contracts and undercutting everyone, while also like stealing your wages, having an algorithm inhumanely assign you to a position. Uh, these types of things, it's like I consider, or like say an oil spill or environmental damage, I consider those violations of like the individual's right. When you're coerced into a job that sucks, because I mean, here we have an Amazon distribution center where all the fa the GM factories used to be, right? And we can argue about where those jobs went, but again, I'd argue it's the '80s neoliberal revolution continued by Clinton. But the Amazon, you know, it's this job that's done by coercion, and workers are not protected there. Um, the people in the city of Flint were not protected when they were poisoned, you know. Um, that's the thing is I don't see the government needs to operate both on a person to person level. Like, yes, my neighbor is trying to harm me actively, you know, and then also, Oh, my employer is actively harming me by denying me certain benefits, uh, time off or time off for essential things. I'm not saying like everyone should have an eight hour or an eight week vacation, like the lazy Italians or something, but um, I, I think that there is abuses done by, you know, large corporations that the government should absolutely step in to uh, do something to, to protect the citizen over the corporation, which this government, again, and I, again, I think it's an outgrowth of capitalism. Capitalism created this state in its own image. Uh, the neoliberal revolution of the 80s and then Clinton in the 90s with globalization kind of cemented that. But this is how, you know, they, they've worked the system in their favor. And I think if you rebooted it all again with the same regulations and same laws, um, you'd probably have a similar thing. It might not be Jeff Bezos. It might be somebody else running Amazon, you know, but it would basically be like the third matrix. Everything starts over, right? It just reboots and the whole system repeats, which unfortunately I feel is basically the cycle of history. But I guess where I'm going with this is I, I think that, I agree with you that these companies should be broken up because it's an infringement on the individual's rights, right? Is that where you're coming from? I think so. Or at least abusive to the individual. 
Yeah. So one of the things that I do agree with uh, is when you give these uh, companies so much power that they can start, you know, censoring people is a big one. Uh, and I do believe that there are some companies out there that abuse their employees for sure. I do believe that there are a lot of good companies out there, and it's mostly local businesses. I think these big corporations obviously uh, will abuse uh, their workers. And the way that I see you're a number. I, yeah, you're a number there. Amazon literally assigns you via algorithm, man. They do not care. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one, one of the biggest things is I, I, the only industry I've worked in other than you know the podcasting industry is uh, I worked in restaurants. So I worked uh, at a fast food place. Um, and I think franchises work really well because uh, when you've got it's more of a locally owned uh, corporation. So I believe franchises are very, I don't know how you do that with Amazon, but I think that's much better than you just have uh, this big higher up um, as for like, one, one, it does better for the company. When you have a franchise, you have the franchiser. He wants to make a profit. He's going to work as hard, but also uh, the people know the franchiser, right? I knew who my franchiser was. Right. And I could go and complain and talk to him and uh like i knew where he lived so i mean not not that's not a threat or anything but like <laughs> that that's what's that, that's what's nicer i don't know where jeff bezos lives and also if i tried to get anywhere near him uh to talk to him about anything he's got private security right and so that's True. one of the things is they're not held accountable uh by the people and that's why i think private sector unions are are a pretty good thing when it comes to hmm. I, I think teachers unions are not uh when you come to a public sector union uh, that is an issue because who's their employer? It's the government. And then you get, I feel like there's a lot more lobbying, especially with the teachers. I have a huge problem with the teachers unions as someone in school still. Um, but yeah, another thing that you did mention was uh, government protecting, uh, keeping you safe and comfortable. Uh, I, d I would disagree with that. Um, I believe it's to protect your rights, um, but keeping you safe and I would say we do, well, the thing is here, I do this with right-wingers all the time. We disagree on what uh, the essential human rights are is all. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the biggest things uh, that I think the problem with our, our modern politics today is you can't talk uh, about it. And that's, what, that's why, again, what you're doing is awesome is you, you have people on the right come over because what's really annoying is instead of a debate, and this happens on both the right and the left, um, the right... Uh, a left just goes like tries to debate and the right goes, oh, no, you're a commie, right? right? And then the left goes, oh, no, you're a bigoted, racist, homophobe or whatever, right? You're not going to get anywhere, all right? I believe that you should be uh, – a white supremacist has a right to speak. I think they're morally wrong and terrible human beings. They've got a right to speak in America. Right. Um, and see, I think that I, I'm a similar way would say something like healthcare. I realize that if I get universal health care, you know, if I see that achieved – People I don't like will be using it. I don't care, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's, that's another thing. Well, um, the problem is just all the name calling. Like when it comes to universal healthcare, I do not believe that it is the best way uh, to achieve healthcare. I do believe that there, our healthcare system is broken. I just had an interview uh, with Katie Talento. And one of the things that we need to do is get drug prices down uh, and hospital prices because they well, don't yeah. tell you beforehand. And that is in my that is crony capitalism. That's not free market. What I believe in, 
um, you're going to get lower prices. If it's like, oh, this hospital's got, you know, $25 for a leg surgery. I know that's an absurd, yeah. it would be like 250, but uh, over here, it's a $20 leg surgery. I'm going to go to this one. And eventually you get the prices to be lowered until you get monopolies like we've been talking about. And when you have a monopoly, that is where we get to issues. Um, but as I was saying with the name calling, we're not able to come up with, like, all right, what are human rights? Because instead it's like, uh, instead of being able to talk about it, we it's talk about just who's a human instead, yeah. Yeah. It somehow it devolves into de a debate about who's human and who's not. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I well, you know, I think like with something like hospital prices and like college tuition, right? Um, this is an issue you have with a mixed economy, um, a capitalist leaning mixed economy where you have say a hospital or a university, uh, the government pays for some people to get the services, right? Whether it's Medicaid or federally backed student loans or grants. So the private institution, the hospital or the college continuously increases their prices because they know the government is backing this revenue stream, you know, like Medicaid, and they continue increasing their prices. And um, what happens is, you know, the government follows suit and pays them out. And then all of the private insurers or other loan companies for students, you know, non-federally insured loans have to follow suit because these private companies say, well, this surgery costs this much, this tuition, you know, tuition this year has gone up this much. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I agree that it's mostly like the idea, and this happens a lot on the left too, is this culture war fight, right? Like the left spends a lot of time arguing amongst themselves as does the right, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time arguing amongst ourselves, you know, in, I'm, I'm an outlier and a weirdo. Um, I don't know. I'm Catholic. I, I guess I would call myself like a Bonapartist. <laughs> but I, I also defend like the achievements of the Soviet Union and China, right? But to some people on the left, even, that makes me like a genocidal maniac. So I, I get that. And I think that that is the issue um, everywhere. And maybe you'll agree with me on this. My my overall theory on this is, is, you know, I follow a lot of like conspiracy stuff and like QAnon and shit like that because I think that's the particular disease that has taken over where suddenly there's no objective reality, right? We can't talk about how you would roll out universal health care or the merits of it. Um, you know, you can't even talk about Obamacare without people calling it socialist, even though it's just the guy made a marketplace for insurance companies. He made a market where there wasn't one. It was state intervention to create a new marketplace, you know, um, and then force people into it, which is also bullshit. But yeah, that, that's where I agree uh, with you with you there on Obamacare is the, the whole forcing people into it. Is, you can't, no, you can't force people to buy private insurance. This bullshit, you know, yeah. and then say like, well, I did you a favor. And then yeah, the, pre exactly. the premiums are all shit and nobody can get the subsidies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I totally, I hated Obamacare. I hate, I hate that it was called socialism, but um, I definitely think that both internally on the left and right and between the two, a lot of it is just wasted on culture war stuff. And um, 
you know, you brought up something when we emailed and we'll kind of go in and touch base on this for a minute because it is the latest like culture war thing. Um, I don't know. What, what's your definition of CRT, man? Let's so my thing with CRT is um, just beforehand, I do believe a lot of people want to accuse you when you say I'm against CRT. It's, oh, well, you don't want to talk about slavery. No, that is something we need to talk to you, uh, about in American history. Mm-hmm. That is something terrible that has happened in American history. Just like uh, not, or Germany needs to talk about the Holocaust, right? right? You need to, the reason you learn history uh, is you, you learn about history, you go, oh, let's not repeat that because that was horrible. Uh, Jim Crow, we need to learn about that because we go, oh, segregation's horrible. Um, if, you ha- if you take away history, of course, you get these issues, right? You get people going, uh, forgetting about the past, uh, and it starts happening again. My thing with CRT is I believe it it comes from uh, Marx's theory, um, critical theory, which is basically you got the oppressor class and the oppressed class. And um, to to free the oppressed, you've got to dismantle all the systems in place that keep the oppressor in place. I believe America has equality under the law. Is there racism in America? Yes, there is. There are racists in America, and they are all horrible people. Both the people who are uh, racist towards white people and racist towards black people. And my thing is, I take the, I don't know if you've seen that 60-minute interview with Morgan Freeman. I take the um, Mm -hmm. approach of uh, how do you end racism? You stop talking about it. We make it such a big deal. Everything is racist now. That real racism is on the same level. I say uh, voter ID, you should have voter ID. And that is on the same level of someone uh, owning a, uh, a slave or being supportive of Jim Crow. Yeah. I am, of course, I, I have black friends. I have one of my writers for the show is black, right? Um, we have all these different uh, people who, I don't care about the race. My thing is, are you a good person? Great. And the problem with critical race theory is it teaches, uh, you know, this group of people is the oppressor, they're evil. This group of people is the oppressed, and that's wrong. Now, if you want to point any, uh, you know, point out a instance of racism, I will be right along marching with you against it if it's actually racist, right? And the problem okay. is it's just a term we use now. So I, I understand it. I would argue that no, it is not Marxist. Um, what Marxism would be would get you called a class reductionist because, again, Marx did not uh, define things along the lines of, like, the national question, which was a later invention by, like, uh, Lenin and Stalin, which was the idea of, like, nationality's right to self-determination. So Marx himself and my ideas, equality is provided through the same way you feel. We just feel differently about how to get there. Um, Economic opportunity. Right. I, but what economic freedom is to you or me may look a little, it obviously looks a little different. Now, CRT, I think, um, what you're looking at mostly is one, uh, a lot of the freakouts I see are basically like um, liberal diversity training, which is a tool to avoid, uh, you know, corporate liability, right? If somebody says something racist in the workplace, you can say, well, I gave them the training, so you can't sue me. 
Um, and there's also the things like, uh, I don't know, um, you know, like Chase and Wells Fargo having like Black Lives Matter ads where it was like, well, you guys were fine evicting like black families from their homes in 2008. Yeah. And, you know, like that's just, um, well, it's what it is. You know, it's what the right calls it. They're correct. And it is virtue signaling, right? This is corporate mm -hmm. virtue signaling because the corporations are actively destroying and really almost at an accelerated pace, actively destroying like people of color's lives, especially when you take in like supply chains in the global South and stuff like Nestle's allowed to use slaves, you know? Yeah. Um, so these things are just PR and liability. And this is really just an outgrowth of capitalism again to me. Uh, critical race theory itself grows out of um, like critical legal theory, right? Where yeah. I, I think, and this is, there are Marxist critiques of critical legal theory and critical race theory, but I would, I think that, you know, the ideas of like critical legal theory would be stuff we were talking about earlier. Like if your neighbor robs you, that's a crime, right? But if your employer mm -hmm. robs you somehow that doesn't get prosecuted and you have to like take up a complaint with like the NLRB, you know, or hire yeah. a lawyer. So that would be like critical legal theory or like, you can't poison your neighbor, but you can poison the whole city of Flint and get a job as a professor, right? So that would be critical legal theory. Now, race, critical race theory under critical legal theory, um, I think there's valid things. Like, um, think of things like mandatory minimum sentences, you know, how these were applied to, uh, especially harder to crack cocaine rather than powder cocaine because it was a, a drug of the inner city. Um, Think of things like the weed laws now, you know, as people legalize marijuana everywhere, there is no, there's no active push to like exempt uh, largely black population from former convictions with weed. Um, the idea of, uh, oh, Biden trying to ban menthol cigarettes, right? You know, supposedly something that's colorblind and helpful for everybody, but who primarily smokes menthol cigarettes, like you're going to take one more vice from the poorest people, uh, you know, and from the most marginalized people economically, whether you think they're whatever about them, you right? You're taking from the most like economically marginalized class in the United States and just being like, well, here's one more thing you can't enjoy, screw you. And that's unfortunately liberalism. It's trying to just tweak you into better behavior. Um, now where critical race theory comes in is say, trying to prove that, yes, these laws are intentionally targeting, or, you know, or are actually, uh, they're, they're, they're colorblind, but they're not used that way, right? So say an employer, you go to an employer who has an equal number of black and white applicants and hires, what, 75% white applicants and 25% black. Can you prove that person's racist by that margin? No, right? But do you know how many applications they had from, say, uh, you know, how many black applicants did they have and how many white applicants did they have? You're not privy to that information. But unless you can prove basically that someone said the N-word or something in a job interview with you, you can't prove that there's like racist hiring policies, right? So and critical race theory, I think, is just an examination of these ideas that and a lot of these laws are things made by libs, like, uh, you know, the mass incarceration under Clinton. 
these yeah. laws that are supposedly colorblind that are not, you know, they're clearly targeting a certain population. It was Hillary Clinton who came up, you know, Reagan came up with crack babies, but Hillary Clinton came up with super predators. These were certain people they were targeting, you know, and I think that's what, and critical race theory, I think it's actually, it is liberal because it's working within the idea and the framework that the current justice system, the Western, like, uh, jurisprudence set up, you know, by the UK and then the US and like common law and things like that, that this jurisprudence is valid, you know, but it just has to be reformed. And that's why I don't, I don't see it as Marxist. I see it as very much a liberal thing because it's still operating within the framework of the current justice system. So uh, a few things there is, uh, first of all, I would agree that uh, there are some policies that definitely um, I don't know whether or not they were designed because a lot of what you just mentioned, I was not around for. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm a little young for that. Uh, what was that? I mean, what was Clinton? Was he? I, he was in the 1990s. He was 92 right? to 2000. Yes. Yeah. Even I wasn't that, around like for modern... Reagan. So. Oh, you were born under Reagan. Uh, actually, no. I was born. No, I was not around for Reagan. I was born under the first Bush. When I was born. There was briefly a Soviet Union, and the Berlin Wall fell, I think, two months later. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's the same way my uncle was, just because, like, it's, it's just weird, like, being able to live through something historical like that. But anyway, uh, with critical race theory, my thing with it is I don't mind, again, like I said, teaching slavery and stuff like that, uh, teaching about Jim Crow racism. My thing is when you start turning uh, kids on each other when it comes to race, when you start labeling one the oppressive class because of their skin color, that is an issue. I do not believe because you are white, you are racist, nor do I believe that you are inherently uh, more privileged. No, I think, uh, you know, again, this is, uh, I agree with you because it's an attempt to dodge a conversation about class. Exactly. So, yes, well, I, I fully agree on that one. But again, we define class differently, probably. Yeah, well, the thing with America is, I mean, uh, I I believe that in America you can come from anything. I mean, right now, the biggest thing is employers are, I mean, I got a job. I was 14. I walked into the interview. They gave me the job. Like, um, now, of course, someone might say, well, it was because you're white. But I had a bunch of black guys working with me. Uh, and then my, I mean, if you want to talk about diversity, my assistant manager was uh, LGBTQ. My, I had a GM like for two weeks who was also LGBTQ. I know now it just matters. Uh, you have to hire all these different minorities. I believe on merit. If uh, I, there's 100 white guys who can do the job really well, I'm going to hire those guys. There's 100 black guys who can do the job even better than them, I'm going to hire all those guys. Uh, that's how I believe it should, yeah. be, it should be based on merit. I, I agree too. And again, this is like part of... Um the uh, Bonapartist revolution. I mean, Napoleon was the first like meritocratic military system, right? So I, I do believe, and we don't have a meritocracy now. Um, when you talk about the employment market specifically, like, okay, when you enter the employment market now for entry level jobs, like office jobs and white collar, right? They all demand like a bachelor's degree or higher. So there is no meritocracy because it's not based on how well you can do the job. It's credentialism. 
Right. That's where I agree with you completely. I believe the college thing is so stupid. So it's, what? It's, I, yeah, I it's just pure it. credentialism. It's do you have the right letters after your name, right? Yeah, it's the same well, as with the, certain jobs. I think if you're going to become a doctor, I, I right, want to see right. your papers before <laughs> yes. you cut me open. But when it comes to like, I, I love when they, I've seen, uh, for example, uh, I was going to apply at uh, Wendy's. Mm-hmm. And uh, here, for some reason, you had to have a, um, you had to have a. Um, Your serve safe. Uh, well, serve safe, safe, I can understand, but I think that the employer should, like, once you get hired, like, put you go, have you go through serve safe. Right. But uh, you had to have, you had to have a, a high school diploma. Who's the one mostly getting the, the job at Wendy's working the counter? Like, that's going to be. Uh, someone who is a teenager teenager like me right i don't think having a i think an education of course is important but i don't believe that it is the most important thing there are no. people who like that, be, because i don't think culinary school is uh, essential for a chef that's what i, I mean think, like data entry jobs asking for a bachelor's now is insane yeah like Oh, what I need to I need to go to college to figure out how to answer a phone. Like I've been answering a phone since I was like nine years old. Like you know what I think it is is it's um and it's I don't know if it happened as much like your generation, but with millennials, it was this whole thing of like, oh, just go to college and you'll get a better job, right? That was the promise. And then of course we all like graduated or went into college like around two thousand eight and came out to just a garbage economy but i don't know if that's still like the the bargain like the older generations try to make with you but because of that culture of just like oh and it really held too because it was like get a degree and you'll get a job right and this boomer idiom of like oh have a degree in anything and an employer will see like you're willing to stick it out has become an excuse for like the credentialism type thing which yeah i i see it as completely fucking it's obscene right because uh, a lot of people like i look at silicon valley coders you know programmers a lot of them are not college educated um yeah i don't have like i said i don't have a college education but i've managed to obtain you know the a moderate lifestyle that i have i own assets and things so yeah i think the issue is is just you see employers doing this because it's just the credentialism um and and again this is it's a class barrier right it's can you afford school if you're a high school dropout and an older adult who needs to work at wendy's you know clearly some things went wrong in your life maybe it was poor decisions on your own maybe it was environmental factors right we don't know but the fact that you need that to work at a Wendy's is ridiculous. The fact that you need a bachelor's degree to work in a call center is ridiculous. So exactly. That, yeah, that is just liberal, like elite credentialism. Um, I, I do think it, good on you for not like buying into the CRT hype. Um, you know, you're not just the Tuckers and Hannity's who are like, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. You know, this is CRT, which I'm glad to hear. You have yeah, a better understanding my, my, of it. Where I go, yeah, where I go when I when I start to get uh, annoyed when it comes to CRT is when, uh, well, not annoyed, like furious, is when you start, uh, it, I believe it is racism to say, hey, white people are oppressors, 
uh, black people are oppressed. That implies that the black person can't do anything in their life. I know some very successful, I mean, uh, my, my grandpa, uh, he is black. Um, he, he's not my biological grandpa, but he ha- is one of the most successful people I know. Um, he, he was born during the civil rights era and, mm-hmm. um, he, he's been, I mean, he came from a very poor family, had a good belief in God. And now he, he retired pretty young, um, has, I mean, my beautiful wife, my grandma now, um, an awesome, an all around awesome dude. Um, and I believe anyone in America can do it. The problem is, is now there are things like, oh, you need a college degree to do something. No, you don't. Like, there are things you can do without a college degree. I think most things. I get it. If you're going to become a lawyer, if you're going to become a doctor, right? So I believe uh, if you take that out of the way, if you take the roadblocks out of the way, um, such as I, I believe uh, super high tax rates are a, a, a roadblock. I, be, I be, believe that uh, welfare, I was talking on my show, I do believe that there is a, a point where welfare is needed. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a point where someone gets unemployed. Uh, they need just some help while they can find another job. So I think there should be limits on that, right? Because um, welfare mm-hmm. can be addictive. So like, oh, we'll give you, we'll give you six months. We'll give you, uh, you, you'll be on welfare. If you don't find a job uh, by then, I'm sorry, we, we can help you. We, he, uh, the guy that I also interviewed today was also talking about how the government could then give some the person a job uh, I, for a limited you, amount of time. Okay, so you agree with basically uh, Bill Clinton's welfare reform. What was his welfare reform? It was, was it- the work for welfare type programs were, and cutting off cash assistance, basically. Yeah. Um, but... Okay, so my argument would be, and we'll wrap this up. I got like two more questions for you after this, but all right. Um, the idea of I don't think it's necessarily calling like the individual student an oppressor when you have like these diversity units or whatever. Um, I think what should be discussed is, I mean, you say your grandpa lived through the civil rights era, right? That it should be understood that wasn't that long ago, right? And before that, I mean, there was obviously, like you said, Jim Crow and things like that, and even you know, progressive hero FDR, the New Deal, there was redlining that basically ghettoized the black population into these certain areas and put whites out in the suburbs. Um, Then again, the civil rights era and the fight afterwards to get schools integrated, you know, we know Biden didn't want busing um, and loved Klan members. So, you know, there was that going on afterwards. There was like a freeway system built to like cut off black neighborhoods. Eminent domain has been used to like remove black families for like sports stadiums and things like that. Detroit's in the wave of like illegal foreclosures based on ridiculous property valuations. Uh, 2008 saw a huge drop in black home ownership that's never recovered. Um, Public housing was intentionally sort of underfunded, and then when it was underfunded, it became chaotic, and then they were like, well, look at how shitty it is. Let's get rid of it. And, I mean, there are still, you know, that's like the systemic things. And then at the end of the day, yes, there are still the heirs of, like, the people who just had to, like, say a loyalty oath after the Civil War. And, honestly, Reconstruction would have been a lot better if every, like, plantation owner had just been hung. But that... (laughs) I don't think is so much the issue as much as like these systemic things, like the fact that 
you know, the civil rights movement was in living memory for your grandpa. Like that shows that, you know, the idea of like generational wealth or privilege or something like it, I think it, it exists to an extent, man. Like the, these policies were made again, supposedly colorblind, you know, whether it's uh, redlining or the freeway system or, um, you know, poll taxes or literacy tests. These are supposedly colorblind things, right? But they did not work that way. They weren't actually designed that way. Uh, again, Reagan with mandatory minimums, Clinton's crime bill, these things intentionally targeted certain communities, even though they, uh, like all laws, claim to be sort of general and colorblind, right? It's, but, it, and it's also a repeating cycle. It's, you know, oh, well, here's a high crime area, put more police there. And it's like, well, the police found a lot of crime there this year. It's like, well, yeah, because they were standing there, man. It's like, well, it's a high crime area, put police there again next year, right? So there's like these things that are still going and these systemic things that aren't that far back. Like I said, 2008, like the loss of black home ownership, that's only 12 years ago, you know, and it's never recovered. That was under Obama. I mean, Black Lives Matter itself started under Obama, dude. If Obama wanted to do anything about police violence, he sure had time. I don't know why he came out and 2020 to say that he really regretted how violent the police were it's not like he was ever the president or anything but well that's how politicians are they're like right. don't worry we're gonna fix this and then they're like well, yeah it's like trump oh, well, right now like oh uh, yeah uh if i pulled out of afghanistan you could bet the taliban wouldn't be doing this that's no that's exactly my biggest thing with trump is like him complaining about big tech i'm like you were in the office for four years you could have done something about that yeah um that's why I think up, Trump man. did a lot of good things, um, but I, of course I have my problems with it. I'm not. I, I think he's a flawed person for sure, uh, morally. I think he his policies are great as a person, eh, not the greatest. But there are so many things. I'm like, dude, why didn't you do that? Like, stop. You can't complain about uh, that because right. you had a chance to do it and you didn't. Well, we talked a bit about QAnon. That's basically what QAnon is. It's a way for Trump supporters to make excuses for why Trump isn't doing the things they thought he would, right? And yeah, I thought Trump was like, you know, I thought there was good parts about Trump, honestly. Um, not the same way you did, but when Trump comes out and says like, hey, the Saudis can chop up a reporter, you Washington Post, Jeff Bezos own, like your reporter can just get chopped up in Turkey and like, screw you they buy a lot of missiles like laying that bare like how the you know military industrial complex works hilarious great um the primaries telling jeb his mother should run pointing out that it's only donors in the audience of the debates um the idea of just like coming you know coming up there and owning people like ted cruz who's wanted to be president since he was like five by like not even trying is hilarious I can't. Uh, I, I have a, a little bit of respect for. I, I hate pretty much all politicians. The only politicians I respect is Tulsi Gabbard and uh, a local politician, Caesar McKnight, and uh, Ron DeSantis. Those are the only three politicians I like. And two of those are Democrats. Um, uh, yeah, Tulsi is all right. On, I like her on foreign policy. Um, I wish Trump had been a bit more of an anti imperialist. You know, Trump was going to do the Afghanistan withdrawal, but I think he was backing out of it because again, he was so easily, you know, he was so easily influenced. Um, 
Yeah, this whole Afghanistan thing is a mess, though. Like, I feel like I actually want to touch on that in one second here. All right. I will say, like, I'm not a huge fan of any politicians either. Um, I like I like Tulsi on her foreign policy stuff. Uh, Ilhan Omar, again, like calling out Elliot Abrams for his role in like Iran Contra and stuff like that and calling out Israel, you know, uh, whether you like Israel or not, I don't think we touched on, but I don't. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Israel. Okay, um, I, I think it should be absolutely wiped off the map, but <laughs> that's for another day. Um, and that's not like, it's not anti-Semitism and there's no like fascist left-wing alliance like some anarchist will try to tell you, but it's for other reasons. I don't think Israel should exist. It's nothing religious or anything like that, or even racial, except to the point that I think, you know, people like Netanyahu are just Polacks. But um, Ilhan is all right to me. I, I'm not a huge like fan of politicians. Uh, I liked, uh, I like Larry Krasner, the DA in Philly, who ended like, um, you know, low-level arrest, arresting and charging people for low-level drug offenses like possession uh, and cash bail and things like that, and crime has dropped. But, um, yeah, speaking of a little bit on foreign policy, are you, like, a isolationist like in the style that Trump, like, was originally? or So when it comes to foreign policy, I am – I will flat out say it. I'm not an expert on follow, foreign policy. Right. But my view is. Let me give. I, I will say, I did write for, I don't know, the better part of a decade. I I, I did my. I started out writing on foreign policy. So. Oh, nice. I, um, yeah, my thing is, I am. I am definitely an isolationist. Um, I believe okay. there are more problems here at America, uh, currently, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. do need to focus on for sure. Um, another thing, though. Uh, with the whole Afghanistan thing right now, I feel like I feel like we definitely needed uh, at least a little bit of military presence uh, there just to keep the Taliban at bay. But I don't well, believe I believe that there should be at least we should have our embassy there. Of course, my problem is the way that we have handled. I wouldn't mind the withdrawal. The problem with the withdrawals, it's been terribly done. I feel like. I don't know what Trump's plan would have been. Um, I can it tell might you have now. been the same. Advice. Yeah, I can tell you now it wouldn't have been any better. What um, The idea that anyone's trying to, like, tell the Taliban what they should do next is stupid. Yeah. You know, because make them, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Afghanistan's a funny case, though. Um, and I'll try and run through this quick. But the Taliban in 2001 – we basically created the Taliban. Well, yes, there's that. Um, we funded the anti-Soviet rebels in the 80s. Late 70s under Carter, it started and went through the 80s. That's what Charlie Wilson's war is about. There's a whole movie about building the Mujahideen. Um, <laughs> but also, after 9-11, Afghanistan, um, the Taliban was in charge, although not recognized. So if you want to know what Afghanistan looked like pre-9-11, just look at it right now. You know, um, so we're basically back where we started. But the Taliban initially offered to turn over bin Laden, uh, which we refused. And actually, just today or yesterday, the Taliban executed an ISIS leader in uh, the public square in one of the major cities in Afghanistan. 
to try and make overtures to like Pakistan, probably, and Iran and China and Russia. Um, but we refused the Taliban's uh, offer to turn over bin Laden because uh, we, you know, we're an empire and we definitely were an empire under like George W. Bush and the project for a new American century, neocons. So we wanted this war with Afghanistan, which really we wanted the war with Iraq, which we knew Afghanistan would, the Bush administration kind of knew that Afghanistan would justify that and the fight against terror would justify that. Saddam was no friend to terrorists either. If he had found Zarqawi, he would have killed him. But um, we refused and went to war. And it was because there was this whole plan for the Middle East. Uh, you should, you know, you're a little bit young, but look up the project for a new American century. It was this idea for like American empire under the neocons where you would just build client states around the world, right? Now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, we did not, like you said earlier, learn any history and you cannot build a fucking client state in Afghanistan, dude. It's Afghanistan not is just a mess. Yeah, it's like it's not a country. It's a exactly. ton of different tribes broken up, you know, into this country that's artificially created where like when the Indian subcontinent divided from the British, much like the Middle East itself, you know, Afghanistan's mm -hmm. more Asia. But it's yeah, it's not a country. Uh, who runs it is always between like warlords and the Taliban or groups like that. Um, you know, when the Taliban was gone. It was the nephews of the warlords who were in government. Uh, it's the idea of nation building, I think, has gone out the window. And I would argue that, you know, did we botch the withdrawal? Yeah, but at the same time, you know what? It's a wash, dude. It's a zero on the balance sheet because it's exactly how it was when we got there. I guess Bin, exactly. Laden, Bin Laden is dead. So the point is, like, no, we never should have gone in the first place. Iraq, you know, the Islamic State wouldn't have, have existed had we not gone to Iraq and fired all of the Sunnis who were Baathists from government and then said, you know, if you're a Baathist, like you can't work in any government position now. Right. So yeah. you just left all these people like military commanders unemployed, you know, so entering these places in the first place is what fucks us. Um, that's why, you know, whether it's fiscally or just morally. Yeah. I, I am an anti-interventionist. I understand the fiscal argument too, because I mean, do, like seven trillion's been wasted on these wars, and most of that's interest. Like two thirds of that is interest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my my opinion with uh, foreign policy is I am I am pretty isolationist. I believe most of the conflicts we've been getting in 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 the Middle East right now, I don't think are necessary. I think the Middle East is it's it's not we're not going to be able to save it. Uh, they can't even save themselves right now. That's Middle that, East well, is just that. certain certain countries, but like Afghanistan for sure. Well, Afghanistan, um, yeah, Afghanistan. Like I said, never should have been like it was. But uh, in defense of like Syria, uh, Iraq, um, these countries had burgeoning democracies, but the CIA set up uh, Arab nationalists to take over in coups, which was Saddam and. Hafez al-Assad, you know, like the CIA supported these things where like the nationalists were taking over because uh, they didn't like the democratic governments doing things like wanting to nationalize oil like in Iran, right? Yeah. And then when uh, Arab nationalism and Saddam, you know, kind of became a threat to the Western order and Israel too, like uh, the PLO was a threat to Israel and 
the new CIA plot was radical Islam through like Saudi Arabia, right? Who have always been our sort of uh, middleman between us and like proxy groups in the Middle East. And Syria and Iraq were full of that, where it was, you know, people we know are terrorists, we know are radicals, we know are violent, we know are willing to kill any minority they come across. Like the CIA put weapons in their hands. And that's happened basically everywhere. You can go back to Reagan in Latin America, you know, breaking uh, the embargo on Iran to sell guns to people who would kill nuns. You know, this is just most problems, if you look at them, dude, the CIA or somebody in the American foreign policy establishment started the problem to begin with. Like you said, the Taliban itself would not have existed. We don't know what Afghanistan would have looked like had the Soviets, uh, they didn't invade, they stepped in at the behest of the elected government in Afghanistan. So if the Soviets had stuck around and secured Afghanistan, we don't know what it would look like. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. these, the, there's these things that are just well history could have taken a vastly different path but someone in the intelligence agency got involved you know exactly well another thing with uh when it comes to foreign policy is when i feel like when we get involved i think when any country gets involved uh it doesn't go well what i believe is like if one of our allies is under attack i feel like we should get involved if it's a a direct threat to america of course right. we should get involved um, the goal of the military is to protect America, not every other um, country. I believe no, countries. It's not to go around being a private mercenary force for like Halliburton and you know mining companies and shit. Yeah, well, it's just the whole the whole. Well, first of all, I don't even get me started. The intelligence agency and the whole, basically all of bureaucracy, all of government. To be honest, right. uh, just it's just. I think the one thing I could agree with Marxists um, is, well, I mean, we've agreed quite a bit, but just, just government needs some work. Like, we've got to change a lot because there's so many reforms that need to happen. I, I bet you would disagree on what reforms, but government is just, it's corrupt. It doesn't know what it's doing. It's not efficient. Um, I mean, have you been to a DMV before? Um, no, no, I believe me, I've dealt with plenty of state agencies, they cannot intercommunicate. I mean, that was the thought behind the Patriot Act, right it was like, well, oh, the FBI didn't talk to the CIA. And that's the Patriot Act will put all this data together, right? I still don't understand what the difference between I feel like the FBI and the FBI and CIA are almost the same thing. They just have a different F name. FBI is domestic. So like investigating like domestic terror threats yeah. or kidnappings, you know, federal crimes. And then CIA is foreign. foreign okay. The CIA um, is technically uh, not supposed to operate on U.S. soil. Whether they abide by that is anybody's guess. But the CIA, I mean, come on. The CIA does have the right and the mandate to, like, plant journalists overseas and stuff like that. So, I mean, stories reported in mainstream news here, even if it's not directly from a source at the Pentagon, like a quote from somebody at the Pentagon, you never know if it's a CIA planted story overseas. You know, they've yeah, they've really made like the fracturing of truth possible in their own way. Uh, get rid of them. Yeah, just all of God, like all the bureaucracy. Like, there's just so many things. It feels like we're we're spending so much money on them, and they're just completely useless, and they're not doing 
uh, their job yeah, correctly. At that's all. the actual like deep state, right? These bureaucrats yeah. who are lifetime positions. Um, that was in fact, I I was focused on Turkey when I wrote, and that's a Turkish term, and it def- it was basically defining like this military class that was like super loyal to NATO and the U.S. that was left in charge of Turkey, and they were, you know, Turkey's gone through multiple coups since it's become the Republic of Turkey supposed republic and those coups were done by the military every time like someone was getting out of line with like the cold war goals of nato so that's where like the term deep state comes from erdogan happened to beat his deep state trump did not but yes i i I agree like these entrenched bureaucrats um should go i think there should be much more accountability you know the idea of like police officers you know a, a, a township should be allowed to vote on whether like somebody should be remain on the force or whatever you know something as simple as that right i would agree like i believe that uh same thing with impeachment of politicians i believe like that should be in the hands of not other politicians because then it's just used as a political weapon then Mm -hmm. like yeah almost all other than nixon for sure should have been impeached uh, and he would have except for he resigned um but it feels like it's just a political uh weapon that other politicians use when they have the majority. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Unless Joe Biden does something absolutely terrible, uh, he should not be. I know there's like, what was it? Marjorie Taylor Greene was going to impeach him. I think um, you'll see articles of impeachment when uh, the Republicans win the House next year. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, unless there's something absolutely corrupt, uh, he should not. I believe that impeachment should be in the hands of the people. So yeah, the people like they should that. be the politicians should be they're supposed to serve the people they should be held accountable to the people just like right hey right. you're supposed to uh and I know you probably won't like what I'm about to say but uh when you're a business owner and you have employees and their their goal is to uh like they're working for you right you also hold them accountable so if you've got one guy who's being really lazy they get fired right that mm-hmm. should be the same way in government uh you should be able to fire your and uh you know if it's like one crazy person who's like this is terrible and everyone else likes them well the majority of people like this guy but if it's like like i don't think joe biden is liked i I, how are are you a fan of joe biden no i don't yeah i i assumed so um yeah he's he's he could be as funny as trump if they let him on tv more (laughs) he is See, but he's funny in a different way. Trump was just kind of bombastic. He just well, he's forgets the thing. where he is. Biden is funny in the same way, but he's not treated the same, right? Um, yeah. When Biden was in that electric truck and the reporter was like, can I ask you a question about Palestine? And he's like, if you let me run you over, right? Yeah. Imagine Trump saying that and like CNN would not be like, oh, ha, 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 our cute president. You know what I mean? They would be like, uh, this they, is the greatest yeah. threat to the press. Right. He's, Trump tweeted that fucking gif of uh, him and WWF while was lining the dude with the CNN logo superimposed over his head. And that was like a news story for a day and a half. <laughs> you know, I, so I wonder, like, does our news have nothing to talk about? No, no, it's 24 hours. So no, because not that much is happening that they want people to actually know about, you know? Exactly. We don't have enough problems. In it. That's one of the things I talk about. We don't have... We have a lot of problems, but it's not like we're in a world war. 
or right. in a Great Depression, right? And I think that's why COVID was kind of blown out of proportion. Like, it was definitely a virus that was deadly. But I think the reason why, I mean, you saw New Zealand, they had one case and they completely locked down. But like, I believe we just don't experience these kinds of things. I think in an ideal world, like a CNN would be having like an hour-long documentary about who created the fucking Taliban. You know, that's what media would be for. Yeah. Uh, education. CNN has to talk about how terrible Trump is and how terrible the Republicans are. And Fox News has to talk about how terrible the left is. And, right. Uh, no, well, now it's just corporate backing. Like, even now you see Fox, like, backing off on, like, the vaccine because, like, oh, companies want to reopen. You know, Hannity, shut up. You know, tell people to get vaccinated because this is taking too long. So, yeah, I, corporate media in itself is like a, a topic for another day. But I do agree that like a lot more things should be left to like a plebiscite. Um, a lot of communist systems had, you know, voting mechanisms where you could withdraw your local party member at any time. Um, but I, I agree that more accountability needs. I, I'm a big fan of like ballot initiatives and shit, man, because they usually turn out good, you know. Look yeah. at like marijuana legalization. I think that's a positive, whether even if you're just in it for the tax revenue and you're some vulture capitalist, right? Um, you know, people who sell regular pharmaceuticals have gotten in the marijuana business. But at the same time, like the population approved it. They didn't know how the tax structure and corporate structure work. But uh, mm -hmm. overall, they know what they want and they know what's best for themselves. I think if you put things like Medicare for all to a vote, that would happen too, though. Um, I think the idea of like investigations and claiming election fraud, that's just permanent now, honestly. Yeah. Uh, after 2016, it was Russia and impeachment. Mm -hmm. And after 2020, it's a fucking my, Mike Pillow symposium and Marjorie Taylor Greene, like we're going to impeach Biden. And I don't doubt that when the Republicans regain control of Congress, they will try to impeach Biden. You know. Well, like I've already said, if there if they have a good reason to, like I understand, if it's like something like uh, actual corruption from Biden, then yeah, because yeah, that's but, what you're supposed to do. But mm, if it's like, oh, but he won the election, we don't we don't like the fact that he did. It's like, guys, just do better in your campaigns. And you can't, yeah, and you can't punish people for like, okay, I'd imagine if they went after Biden, it would be like, oh, Ukraine, right? Like, what? He got Hunter a job and was corrupt. It's like, yeah, but Jared Kushner was, like, negotiating the Israel-Palestine deal. You know? Yeah. There's very, like, that's what was so effective against Hillary Clinton was every time they tried to point out, like, something Trump did. Like, oh, he, like, paid himself through his, like, shady foundation. It's like, well, yeah, Hillary does that. Like, yeah, oh, well. He, he does nepotism and doesn't pay taxes. It's like, well, yeah, the Clintons do that. Like. You know, that's what made him so invulnerable. It was like, oh, they just pointed out shit that everybody knows politicians do. Exactly. Well, politicians, again, government is just so corrupt, and you elect these people, and what drives someone to get elected? I mean, right. if, uh, like, they want the power. Yeah, um, yeah. And even the people who go in with good, this is why I am fully support uh, term limits. I believe e uh, either one or two terms for all offices per person, uh, just because you when you, either you come in because you want the power or you come in with good intentions and then power power is addictive and you just go, well, I want more power. And instead of being 
oh, I want to help the people is how can I help myself? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I get it. But I, again, my ideology is primarily based off a guy who kidnapped the Pope to make himself emperor. So I feel differently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. This would be a good talk, man. I'd definitely like to have you back and you know, we'll come up with some topics to touch on specifically. But um, I guess going out, like, what do you think is the biggest issue right now? Oh, that's a difficult one. I think the biggest issue right now is not isn't creeping necessary. communism from Biden, so I'd like to hear it, you know. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of issues. I think conservatives want to pull the CRT card in schools. I think public education is much worse than just the CRT and uh, all the wokeism. I believe that our, our school systems are, they're just turning out dumber kids. And like, for example, my school system, if you don't turn in an assignment that you get a 50%, right? You can turn in late work whenever you want. Right. That's not going to prepare kids for the real world. And I think when you have this, you're going to have more issues um, mm -hmm. than yeah. a... you're going to have more issues that come from this, right? Yeah. Kids are going to be our next generation. And when you are teaching them, well, you can just turn it in whenever uh, you don't put any effort into it. Oh, you'll at least get credit for it. Oh, that's um, a conservative policy from Bush. It's no child left behind. That's yeah. Again, not a fan of Bush. You're right. No, no, I didn't think you were, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just so many things that they are implementing into schools uh, that I, I don't know. They, they try to put it in the name of, you know, Bush, no child left behind. No, if you hold the kid accountable and uh, try to help him, I, I'm full supportive uh, or fully support, you know, teacher going and, and helping the kid, trying to help push the kid up. Right, right. Uh, but not by just going like, oh, well, you didn't do anything. I'll still give you a 50% or no, 100% no. or whatever. No, go to the student and go, um, yo, uh, come with me, uh, at take, come in at lunch. I will teach you this. I'll tutor you uh, or get another student to tutor the kid. Right. Right. That is something that needs to happen. Instead, we're just like, oh, whatever. The kid doesn't want to do is, is lazy and doesn't want to do anything or is, hey, maybe maybe he's having a we don't know the environmental. Maybe he's having a terrible home life. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's just like, well, give him the 50 percent. And instead of actually teaching him to be a hard worker. And I think that's one of the things that we are losing is we are just a society of, of lazy people. I mean, you seem like you're a hardworking grown adult. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, of course I don't, I don't know you well, but that is something that people are losing is now it's just like, well, why, why, why do I have to go out and get a job? Um, and I think it's because of partially because of our schooling system. Right. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, everyone wants to join us down here in the content mines. Yeah. one thing you know um yeah i think that you know we probably we have some different opinions on schooling i'm sure uh, i feel i know i feel differently about teachers unions but um as a parent with a school-age child i i obviously have problems um mine are a lot of fiscal problems uh when the pandemic happened and the school district shut down well the state shut it down but um our school district you know, we have things at our high schools like these nice football fields that were bought through millages and like pools and shit like that. But when the pandemic hit, 
the school district sent out an email like, hey, can you loan another family your Chromebook? Because we can't buy them. That, you know? and That's what happened. So we, we – just just quick side note. Yeah. We just voted uh, for our school district and gave them a ton of money. Now, we our school district has a ton of really old schools, uh, so, you know, nothing works in the school. Right. Um, but instead of going and, hey, the textbooks are completely outdated, uh, let's get – and missing pages. Instead of getting the textbooks, let's go and uh, make a new gym, which I fully support that, right? I would love a new gym after you give us an actual good education. Yeah, that same happened with my district. It was like this mid-2000s, like, spending boom, and then just like, oh, we're out of money, you know? Um, and I think that that, too, like, again, another thing, like, you mentioned, uh, like, oh, well, a kid could be having trouble at home. What's been cut out of schools is, like, guidance counselors and things like um, programs that would help people express themselves like art programs and things like that things that aren't mm-hmm. necessarily like competitive you know it mostly competitive angles are preached like sports and things like that because that's like the capitalist mindset right but if like more expressive things like expressive subjects were allowed um more resources instead of just like well we fired all but one counselor and we got a cop you know like okay well why is this cop here? I'm like, well, he's here to arrest children. I'm like, well, fuck this guy. You know? Yeah, no, I believe that there should be security in schools, but I feel like the whole cop thing, like, we've got an SRO, which, you right. know, is kind of nice that I know I'm protected, but he's not here half the time. He only no. comes. What, so then why are we paying him specialty when... Right, you know, he, he comes, comes to arrest we, children. Yeah, in the same way that a cop who isn't employed with the school would do uh why don't you get the guidance counselor because that i mean right. i i'm i'm good buddies well my buddies i mean I, i'm close with my uh, guidance counselor and I, that that is something that is important in schools um but i think that was something that was also kind of lost during the, the whole pandemic school thing i yeah. mean that really bugged me i i mean you're you're a parent um <laughs> that really bugged me just because as a student like you couldn't see the counselor Right. That's kind of right. important, especially when you're dealing with, you know, there's the kids who have too, home trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And high school too, especially. And um again, it's socializing too. Like I understand, you know, it's not like I'm that disconnected from high school, bro. I would have been pissed if I couldn't like socialize for a year. You know, it fucking sucks. Cause that's like your social hub, right? That's the place where you yeah. meet because you you for the first while at least you can't drive you know a lot of teens don't even bother driving at this point so like yeah this mm-hmm. is the place where you go and i i didn't like watching my own son like have to resort to like oh well you can like play games online with your friends from school you know yeah. like, it should suck i i totally i fully agree like i don't know there should have been more done but um that's kind of we're going long here so we'll wrap this up but i would like to have you well come back and talk about schools or I can come on your show and talk about schools anytime. I'd love to have you give me a time. I'll have you on the show. I'd love, I mean, if you want to even just come during a live show, just call in during a live show. I'd love to do that. Right on. Um, Yeah. Um, So yeah, go ahead and let people know where to find everything of yours again. Yeah. So you can uh, find basically everything at the patriotic youth.com. I don't have any social media currently, uh, but that's where you'll find, you'll find articles written by whether we have guest authors which I mean, even if you wanted to write an opinion for our um, for our uh, our blog, we would love that. 
Um, we love having different, you know, opinions. Um, we are, I mean, of course, a conservative news site, but you can find um, all oh, of our yeah. stuff. Um, and then that's where you can find, we are current, uh, my show, The Youth of the Nation, and then we are currently launching a new show, uh, The Jackson Danforth Show. Uh, this is with another 14-year-old uh, podcaster, um, and we're just starting the show. Um, it was originally The Conservative Teen. And so, yeah, you can find that there. And that's, that's about it. Thank you so much, uh, Jim, for having me on the show. Yeah, thank you again, man. Tyler. This is good, Tyler. Like, um, I would, I, we'll definitely talk again in the future. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. And the bad guys get the benefits. rest of us pay their way. Patriots are under attack just for having their say. While I'm riding down Freedom Road, agents on my tail. You wave a flag on Christmas Day, they'll throw you in jail. Hey, oh, na, 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 na. this country's yours and mine. It's the home of the brave and free. It's a place for you and me. Oh, na, 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 na. It's only a matter of time. All right, well, <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, that is the end of it for this week. Jake and I will be back next week with a guest, and um, the next episode of Book Club should be coming out soon, and we will be announcing some new shows and uh, a new overall project uh, for The Left is Ed coming up shortly here, so stay tuned. Make sure to follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Uh, you can go see. Um, recently, I started adding guest appearances by the hosts on media to our YouTube channel. So you can find us on YouTube and see those. Um, and yeah, man, we are back in action. We have new guests coming up. Uh, Jake will be back next episode with me. Um, as I said, new shows. Book Club is going to possibly evolve into its own show. And uh, other than that, I suppose it's it. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. And, you know, we'll be back whenever. Soon. I am gay. And I voted for Obama. I am a I'm a pussy who gets fucked right up the ass I am a cock I am a libtard I'm a fag Who wants blacks to live amongst us White folks are all bad, but when the all right folks attack me, it makes me sad. I am a cut, I am a lady.